the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, July the 21st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on July 21, 1944, American forces landed on Guam during World War II. Captured it from the Japanese about three weeks later. That was a major win. Today, in 1861, during the Civil War, the first Battle of Bull Run was fought at Manassas, Virginia, resulted in a Confederate victory. Today, in 1925, the Monkey Trial ended in Dayton, Tennessee, with John T. Scopes found guilty of violating state law for teaching Darwin's theory of evolution. His conviction, as you probably know, was later overturned on a technicality. Today, 1972, the Irish Republican Army carried out 22 bombings in Belfast, Northern Ireland, killed nine people, injured 130. That became known as Bloody Friday. Today, in 1980, draft uh, registration began again in the United States for 19 and 20-year-old men. Today, in 1999, Navy uh, divers found and recovered the bodies of John F. Kennedy, Jr., his wife, Carolyn, and sister-in-law, Lauren Bessette, in their wreckage of Kennedy's plane off Martha's Vineyard. Today, in 2011, the 30-year-old space shuttle program ended as Atlantis landed at Cape Canaveral, Florida, after 135 flights to space. Big deal was made yesterday about Bezos going into space. Someone said... I knew the person that said it, but honestly, I didn't make a note of it, and I can't remember who it was now. I've consumed a lot of information since then. But somebody um, fairly well-known said the problem with Jeff Bezos' flight into space was that he returned. I thought that was humorous. Maybe you don't, but given anyway. Somebody said that, and they're they're fairly well-known. I just can't remember who it was. Associated Press did a story today about Donald Trump. They do one often, and it's never positive. But they were noting that five years ago today, and I'm sure it's carried in a number of newspapers across the country because newspapers are losing money, and they're cutting staff, and so they just take stuff and reproduce it on their own, you know, sheet, their own ink. And um, they don't do any research on it. And they probably wouldn't need to on this. They would agree with it. But anyway, Associated Press says five years ago today, Donald Trump accepted the GOP presidential nomination with a speech in which he pledged to cheering Republicans and still skeptical voters that as president, he would restore the safety that feared they feared they were losing, strictly curb immigration, and save the nation from what he said was Hillary Clinton's record of death, destruction, terrorism, and weakness. The rest of the story goes on to outline and to kind of categorize all the reasons why Trump would never 
be able to achieve that as president? Well, he did achieve a lot in four years, much more than probably any other president, at least in recent history. But then again, if you hate someone enough, they can't do anything. That's right. And that's kind of where we are regarding the left and the right in America. There's a great novel. It's called The Count of Monte Cristo. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Maybe you've read it or maybe you've seen the movie. Edmund Dantes, he's a fictional character in it. He's the hero of the novel. The novel was written by a French guy, Andre Dumas. And uh, I don't want to take the time to set up the story. There's so much in it. I mean, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a layered story. There's a lot to it. But um, the, the storyline basically is that Dantes is imprisoned as a young sailor because of the treachery of four of his acquaintances. Four, they're kind of like friends. I mean, he knows them, but they're not really friends. But anyway, the whole thing comes down to he spends uh, the rest of his life plotting. He sends, I think it's 14 or 15 years on this island in prison. He finds a, a treasure of money. He becomes very wealthy. He recreates himself. He finally escapes. He gets out. He goes back to Paris and as the Count of Monte Cristo because he really isn't anybody, but he needs to be, so he calls himself the Count of Monte Cristo because he was on the island imprisonment of Monte Cristo. So anyway, that it, there's so much more, but that's sort of the the outline of the story. But during that time, he has come to hate these people so much that he's going to exact revenge on them, and he does. And he goes about doing this because he knows who they are, but they don't know who he is. And one of them had married the love of his life, Mercedes, while he was uh, incarcerated. And all of this, there's love and hate and jealousy and money and all this stuff involved in it. But anyway, in that, in that novel and the movie, there's a couple of movies at least made, about this based on the novel there's a line there in which he says if you have ever loved me don't rob me of my hate it's all I have left I think that sums up kind of what we're seeing in our culture today much of the rhetoric much of this emotion much of the spending of money that doesn't exist they just print it the left much of it has to do with hate because that's all I've got left. I've got to hate Trump because what else can I do? I don't have a plan. They really don't have a plan for America. I mean, of any consequence, other than negative consequence, but of no positive consequence. I've been talking recently about this critical race and we'll be talking about it more because it's dominating the conversation in America right now and the minds and the thinking of people. Critical race theory is a variant of Marxism. It's based on race rather than class. It's based on hate, hating freedom, hating liberty. It is. That's what Marx was all about. He spent his life trying to bring down Western civilization, the source of culture. This cultural phenomenon, they call it woke or wokeness today. It's a term that's being used, and it's kind of a, a term about becoming sensitized to the real truth, waking up 
to reality, uh, systemic, structural, you know, racist in America and all this kind of thing. So you hear that word woke all the time, and that's what it has to do with. But critical race theory defines inequity as inequality of outcome. In other words, if everybody starts at the starting gate and they shoot the gun, oh, that's wrong. I'm sorry, that's not politically correct. They ring the bell and the racers take off down the track. They had a equal beginning. But CRT teaches and is making headway, by the way, that it that doesn't matter what matters is that they all cross the finish line at the same time. It doesn't matter. Merit has no place in their society. And you say, well, you know, that doesn't affect me. Well, it does. It's affecting every part of our culture today. As the public becomes more and more aware, especially in recent months, of what this is really all about and to the extent that this CRT, critical race theory, has is, is foisting this havoc upon young people, the next generation, there is a growing, fierce, grassroots backlash that's been generated across this nation, unlike anything I've seen in the last number of years. People are, are looking at this and they say, wait a minute. I don't believe that. And I'm talking about Democrats as well in the left. Initially, the progressive educational establishment and its media lackeys, they tried to reframe this issue right from the get-go. They said, well, CRT is not being taught. And that all was going on as telling the truth about America. That's all we're doing in the classroom. We're just telling the truth. We want the truth, don't we? Sometimes they would quote scripture. The truth shall make you free. I don't know how many times I've read that out of a left far-left activist's mouth, quoting scripture. Now the progressives are coming out of the closet, though, and the masquerade is over. At their annual convention, and I talked about it on this program just earlier this month, I think it was over the 4th of July, actually, the weekend, the National Education Association, as, uh, Association, representing 3 million public school employees, enthusiastically, approved funding for the increasing in the implementation of critical race theory in kindergarten through 12th curriculum. The NEA pledged funding for doing opposition research on those who are opposing CRT, including local associations of parents, PTA. I wrote an article on this earlier this month that I talked about it on this program. I'm back to it today because this is a big deal in America right now. And in regards to our families and even the church is now feeling this, the impact of this. And I'll talk about the church in a moment. But they have pledged money, the NEA money, and they pledged um, people to do opposition research to find out something that they can use to bring down anyone who is resisting critical race theory in their local school or elsewhere. But at least the battle lines are clear now. The gloves are off. America is now engaged in a true culture war. People have been laughing and chuckling on the left about, well, there's no real culture war. Yes, there is. There is a culture war. 
but now it's out in the open. It's a war over the minds and the hearts of the nation's children. The issues are clear. We're now going to see who decides what happens in our nation's public schools and classrooms. Will it be the parents and their elected representatives, or will it be some national teachers' union and their minions in the educational bureaucracy? Former Secretary of Education William Bennett called it the blob. That's how he referred to He was in the Reagan administration. He, he uh, He's an interesting guy. I met him once. I don't know him, but I met him. I, in fact, introduced him at a convention once. So I was sitting next to him, and I got to visit with him a little bit. He's a very interesting guy, but he always referred to the NEA and that whole sphere as the blob. But that's what it is. But make no mistake about it. Every freedom-loving America has a stake in this struggle. Whether you have children or grandchildren or not in public schools, this is going to set a trajectory, a path for American culture in the coming weeks, months, and years, and I would add, should Jesus tarry. We must understand, get involved in the local, state, the national level. 58% of Americans already oppose critical race theory. 58%, almost 60%. I'm confident that many more will do so as they begin to understand what this is really all about, and they'll get over their ho-hum. This is not a ho-hum moment. We need to be informed. And that's what we try to do on this program every single day to the best of our ability, certainly with God's help. Even the church is being impacted by this CRT. In fact, the Southern Baptists, this came up. It was a major issue in their convention. I'm not a Southern Baptist, but I have friends that are. We all have some collective friends that are. Pastor David Jeremiah and Robert Jeffress and Jack Graham and some of the greats in our country. I don't know them, but I certainly like their ministry and like where they're coming from and appreciate it. I think many of us do. So the Southern Baptist Convention is it's big. The biggest, the largest Protestant Christian church denomination in the United States. But they took a position in their convention just a few weeks ago that really is going to impact their church going forward. And it's big. I'll come back to that in a moment. But not only is the church divided on this issue, but black leaders themselves are divided on the issue. Washington Post featured columnist Eugene Robinson, he's a black guy, in an article titled The Cold Truth About Republican Hot Air Over Critical Race Theory. That is a gasping, failing argument that he's making, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. Dr. Ben Carson wrote an article yesterday explaining how and why we all know Dr. Ben Carson. Love the guy. I've never met him, but I really like him. Fighting critical race theory. Here's how we stop this blatantly racist ideology was the title of his article. I'll talk a little bit about that. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support. We need it. Um, what we're doing is unique. It's a little bit different, perhaps not for everyone, but if you feel that what we're doing is of value to you and to others, please consider standing with us in your financial and prayerful support. We need it. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 
98009, Box 399, Bellevue 98009. And thank you to all of you who regularly support us. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I know that. Thank you so much. Southern Baptist Convention issue is layered, it's complicated, it's big, but let me touch on it just for a moment. It's noteworthy because the Southern Baptist Convention is the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S. They have 47,592 congregations They have in the U.S. They have 14,089,947, according to their stats, members. 14 million members. And its convention is the largest deliberative body in the world with 16,000 participants this just this last month, just a few weeks ago, participating. That's a pretty big uh, committee meeting, I would say, 16,000 participants. But Christian vo- voices have been sounding the alarm. As I said, we've been doing that on this program, and CRT and its far-left ideology, even before it became the most dominant discussion in the world. But most all schools and some churches are beginning to use CRT materials, including some Southern Baptist churches. And that's what brought this issue to the forefront in their convention. A number of sermons, panels, books, some small group curricula have subtly entrapped believers with extra-biblical commands about whiteness, privilege, allyship, exploiting the kind of the feeling of words like racism and white supremacy. They just hammer that if somebody uses the word racism, that's an immediate negative response emotionally. And it is. White supremacy has come to mean anybody who's white and they're not Democrat or they're not progressive, so-called. They've imbued their meanings with what we should see as positive, sometimes, biblical things like hard work or receiving advantages from a parent, help from a parent, a kid in school, whatever. That's become a negative thing. That's become white supremacy. If your skin is white, The article says, and this kind of theological drift has noticeably infected the Southern Baptist Convention at its highest levels. Russell Moore, then, who was the head of SPC's Ethics and Religious Community Liberty Commission, he put on a conference commemorating, and they, they talked about this at their convention, commemorating the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. In their report, they say that presentations lionized King, an important positive figure in American history who, by most accounts, did not affirm the core tenets of Christianity, such as the literal resurrection of Jesus. End of quote. The story then documents a number of cases where CRT teaching has been advanced by individuals in the denomination who have now been elevated to denominational leadership, and it notes in their 2019 convention, year before last, the SBC passed a resolution about the potential benefits of using critical race theory as an analytical tool. Now, the convention didn't meet last year, as many churches didn't, different denominations. But in this convention, the article explains, they tried to elect a denominational president that would be a uniter, a moderate, and in their efforts, This little-known pastor, and I I have no idea, I don't know most of these guys, but a little-known pastor named Ed Litton 
was narrowly elected just by a, like a three or four hundred votes out of all these votes, 16,000 votes. But now the conservatives have discovered that there are multiple accounts where Lytton has plagiarized a large number of other pastor's sermons, quoting them, and they've all been far-left sermons, including like Tim Keller and others. So now all of this is coming to light in the Southern Baptist movement, and this is some of this has been going on in other aspects of the left-leaning religious left in the Southern Baptist and other denominations. We've talked about it on this program. But using critical race theory materials has now become a part of sort of a norm in some of their churches. So they're getting concerned about it. Worse yet, it's being used in many denominations purposefully, and it's not being addressed in any constructive way. So let's put some light on this this uh, this morning. The Washington Post is rising to the occasion, believe me, even as Jeff Bezos rose for his 10 seconds in space or whatever it was. He was, I think the whole flight was 10 minutes or something. I don't know. But anyway, as he rose, his newspaper is also rising. Eugene Robinson is an African-American. He writes a regular column for the Post. Recently, the Post, which identifies itself with the slogan, you've heard this before, their slogan is, democracy dies in the dark. Well, they're creating a lot of darkness. I know that's not the intent of their slogan, but that's the effect of it. But they published this feature article by Robinson. It's called, titled, The Cold Truth About Republican Hot Air Over Critical Race Theory. They can, these people can only talk in terms of political parties. They have no concept of the moral divide in America. Or they just are refuse to accept it if they understand it. I don't think they understand it. But he says the Republicans are throwing a, his word, hissy fit. <laughs> I haven't heard that for a long time. Over CRT, and it's, it's nothing more than, quote, an attempt to rally the party's overwhelmingly white base by denying documented history an uncomfortable truth. He calls the resistance to CRT being taught in schools, etc., a cynical ploy. He defends the New York Times 1619 project. We've talked about that on this program, that America wasn't really founded. And, and these people take this seriously. I mean, they talk about this and teach it and speak about it and preach it over lecterns with a straight face. This whole thing, this New York Times 1619 project, now the Washington Post is defending it. And it's about the fact that America wasn't founded in 1776. Oh, no, that's wrong. America was founded in 1619 when that first slave ship pulled up there near what became Jamestown. That's, that's where we are in America today. This truth tantrum that this guy goes on, and this, he's a featured article. He writes big for the for the uh, for the Washington Post. He goes on and on and on, concluding that teachers who are teaching CRT are not, he said, they are not, you must understand, people, they are not just trying to be woke. They're performing an essential task of education, contextually explaining where we are and where we need to go, end of quote. Then he says, quote, the nation can be redeemed, however, but not without first acknowledging the need for redemption. The Republican Party is trying to prohibit that acknowledgement and is doing so for short-term political gain. 
He says, I'm still quoting him, the flap over critical race theory is just another scam from a party that believes in nothing except the unprincipled pursuit of power. This is what I was talking about. Please, please don't take away my hate. That's all I've got. That's all they have. They hate the right. They hate whites, apparently. They certainly hate Donald Trump, and they'll hate the next Republican nominee for the presidency, whomever that may be, coming up in 2024. They'll just hate them because that's all they've got for the most part. That's why the gospel has got to be our frontline message. Our frontline message is not political. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they talk about redemption. Redemption is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that redeems an individual and changes their heart from hate to love to truth to light. They're removed from the darkness and they're put into the light of God's word. Whether it's an individual or as individuals' lives are, are redeemed and restored, so a nation is as well. Dr. Ben Carson, <laughs> I don't probably have to tell most of you where he's coming from. You already know. God bless him. But he has a total different view. He published an article yesterday. He's calling all, on all Americans to stop this blatantly racist ideology. Carson says, growing up poor in Detroit, if I had believed as critical race theory proponents claim that my destiny was based on my race, I would not be where I am today. We cannot allow CRT to rob American children of that same hope that was instilled in me. He says this Ibrahim uh, Kendi, the creator of this so-called anti-racist doctrines that lie at the core of CRT, Ben Carson says, claims that CRT is an imagined monster concocted by conservatives as a scare tactic to deny talking about race. He said that's clearly false. He said to understand the term anti-racism used by Kendi, he said that sounds non-threatening, but he said it doesn't mean what you think. He said it's far from being anti-racist. The ideology promoted by Kendi and fellow travelers is anything but that. He says the divisive ideology seeks to replace the traditional American value of equality, of opportunity with a regime that assumes all white people, this is Ben Carson, I'm quoting him, all white people are racist oppressors and labels all racial minorities as victims. He goes on to say in his article, white people aren't the oppressors and I'm not the victim. Get over it. Let's get on with a better way. He says, well, classical Marxism, from which CRT was born, focuses on class conflict CRT substitutes class for race, wholly ignoring the demonstrated failure of Marxist ideologies, unlike the people of Cuba who are protesting against Marxist values even as I speak, he said. The results of this extremist ideology has been devastating. And Carson talks quite a bit about that. He notes the massive rioting, rioting in Portland and other parts of the country whose damage has made them the most costly riots in U.S. history. He said all of this is a result of this kind of teaching and thinking. But he said there may be a silver lining. And I'll leave you with this. But if there's a silver lining in the Marxist aggressive zeal to force CRT on our communities, it's that their efforts, Carson says, are waking up the nation like few issues in recent memory, mobilizing citizens around the country to engage school boards and local governments as never before. Indeed. 
Thomas Jefferson said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. The New Testament says, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary the devil, roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'll see you tomorrow.